This episode is brought to you by a book entitled Your Good Body by Jennifer Taylor Wagner. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. Hey girl, hey, I'm Julie Bender. Julie, I don't know how many diets or, I know you exercise too, but how many different versions you have tried through the years. I'm sorry, is this like a recovery meeting where I'm supposed to confess <laughs> all of my uh, no, struggles? What's happening? I mean, I've tried a few. Yeah, haven't we all? <laughs> haven't we all tried various ways to, you know, lose a couple of pounds or maybe we have a few more than a few to lose and it gets very frustrating. But hey, I looked up some very unique ways to diet, okay? Oh, or at least lose or a lose few pounds. weight. Okay, let's hear them. Uh-huh. All right. Did you know that kissing is a form of exercise? And in fact, like kissing for an hour can burn up 68 calories. Did you see my face when you said light <laughs> kissing? I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Maybe. I feel like you're either kissing or you're not. And once you start kissing, you do the other thing, which burns more calories, by the way. Okay, there you go. Okay. So see, it, the ultimate outcome is burning calories. <laughs> tell your husband to kiss you more. It'll help everyone. <laughs> um, apparently, Elvis Presley was famously a fan of the Sleeping Beauty diet, or a diet where a person is sedated for days at a time. Okay, can we really say this on the show? I feel like this is well, promoting serious unhealth. Yeah, again, there are ways you should not diet, and I think Elvis mastered one for hmm. sure. Apparently paying for meals with cash is said to increase the likelihood that someone will buy more healthful food. I don't think so. I know. I'd buy the coffee other day, and chocolate. I know the other day in cash, so it felt like it didn't happen. <laughs> I bought an apple fritter in the morning and my burger and fries for lunch. So I'm just going to go ahead and be proof for that one's not true. <laughs> now this one I absolutely believe must be true. And that is dark chocolate can help you lose weight. Lose weight. Okay. Yeah. Studies suggest that you could actually cut down on fat in this area by eating dark chocolate regularly. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, score one for chocolate. Here's a suggestion. Light a vanilla-scented candle after dinner. In a study, participants who wore vanilla-scented patches lost an average of 4.5 pounds. According to Reader's Digest, the scent will help you avoid dessert. But it doesn't smell like chocolate, so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't vanilla like America's favorite flavor or something? I guess it could be. Interesting. All right, here's the last one. Stop and smell the food. Hmm. Apparently, if you smell it, you sniff it before eating, then you will eat less because I guess you're satisfied by the scent alone. Interesting. I will just caveat this that unless you've had COVID and you don't have, unless you've had COVID and you no longer have a scent. So, you know, maybe this needs to be updated for 2022. (laughs) It might be. But what I do think is, okay, I'll smell vanilla. I'll smell food and I'll eat dark chocolate. We'll see how that That's what you're taking away from it. Great. And buy it all with cash. Okay. There are millions of tips and tricks out there that are said to help us lose weight or get in the best shape of our lives. But today, we're actually going to learn some tried and true methods from an actual expert on weight loss and health that are safe and good for us to use. Sharon Saffler has a background in psychology and behavioral change, has her master's in public health, is a registered dietitian, 
certified intuitive eating counselor and health at Every Size Practitioner. Hmm. She has worked in the wellness industry for almost a decade, empowering people to cultivate healthy relationships to food and their bodies so they can spend less time worrying about their health and more time enjoying it. She's a daughter, sister, wife, mom of two, book club and family bike enthusiast, and is powered by coffee, music, and playing outside in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome to this Grit and Grace Life, Sharon. Hello, good to be here. Well, Sharon, I am excited about our topic today, and I think our listeners are maybe either excited or a little bit nervous. <laughs> Could be either one. Uh, but I think, it's, I think it's generally well known that exercise and a healthy diet are key to weight loss, but the specifics of what that should look like or consist of varies from person to person and from woman to woman. So we're hoping that we can unpack what a woman needs to know prior to beginning a weight loss journey. Do you really need to know about your BMI or your body type? or are there behaviors or habits that need to change or start or take note of what sort of foods foods are actually really conducive to a healthy diet lots of questions and then of course there's the whole topic of exercise yeah and I think Sharon you're here to help us so before we you know we probably need to just start with where do we start where do we begin Yeah, I think it's helpful to pull back the lens a little bit and think about where we're headed, right? Um, So if we're thinking about end goal, we all want to be the healthiest, happiest versions of ourselves. And bodies thrive when they feel safe. Mm. So they feel safe the same way our brains and our kids feel safe. And that's with three main things, predictability, stability, and boundaries. The first part of that Um, when you're really looking at, okay, where are we headed? What does the healthiest, happiest version of me look like? Is to ask yourself the hard questions. Mm. Uh, It would be impossible, I think, to live in our culture and not have at least attempted a diet at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, Or four or 12 or 42. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, one is being conservative, but (laughs) yeah. So I think it's helpful to, we can read about all the research and all that, but I think what's more meaningful to people is when you really look at your own experience, what has your own experience shown you when you start to restrict or use that diet mentality? When I think of the word diet, I also think about getting on the scale to see if the diet is being effective. So thinking about our dieting history and watching the scale often makes us feel bad about ourselves. So how do we conquer that? Yeah, there does tend to be a lot of shame and a lot of it gets put on you as the person for having, like you said, multiple diets, we've probably all tried. And then we say, oh, I'm the problem. Not that it was the diet's problem. Like we start to internalize um, whatever happens to our relationship to gravity as a personal affront of something that we are doing wrong. When what we really see from the research is that dieting in and of itself is a consistent predictor of weight gain. We know from research, too, that when we underfeed, our brains begin to obsess about food. Mm. The intent doesn't matter. If I'm intending to do this for a good reason, the minute we start to restrict, our body starts to feel unsafe and it thinks it's starvation, whether it's intentional starvation or not. Um, So those are all really important things to keep in mind. You Um, know, I used to work with musicians and every time we came to a photo shoot, they were all guys. So they inevitably went in on the, I'm going to eat nothing but meat diet because, you know, mm-hmm. they, that's mm-hmm. what they loved. So we would have a month of meat eaters. They would drop their weight and we would do the photo shoot. They'd be just loving on themselves and thinking <laughs> they were great. Then they went back to eating and it was all over. So not 
every way of doing this, I think, is healthy. Is that correct? That is correct, right? So then you can think about, again, if we're using weight loss as the sole indicator of success, well, we can make that scale change doing a whole lot of things that I think we all would agree probably aren't the best long term. And they're not going to help your body feel safe. Um, and that is what we need in order to thrive. So I think also recognizing too, again, what's been your experience in that? What have you taken away from um, the idea of when you start to put weight loss on the front burner, how's that gonna change what your current relationship to food looks like? Um, good, bad, different? I, that's, I, that's something that only you'll know given your own experience. Um, and then what is your, what if you do all of that? What if you do all the things and you follow the diet and then your body is actually at its happy weight right where it is? Mm -hmm. And so the scale doesn't move. What do, what do you, these are just the questions to be asking. I, this is not a like guarantee, but it's just important to be thinking like, what are we actually trying to achieve here? And what if this is really your body's healthy, happy weight where it is? Ooh. So how do you like your body when it's happy where it is? And again, what, what if we know it's happy because all your other labs that are really crucial, important to your health are actually indicating there's nothing wrong. What, what if your blood sugar, A1C, your cholesterol, heart, like heart health, blood health, there's so many different indicators that we can be looking at to give really helpful feedback. The scale isn't always the most helpful because like we just said, we can make that move by just eating a whole bunch of meat and then not eating anything for a week. Like we can do a lot of things to move that, but what are we actually looking at in terms of seeing your body thrive? What are we measuring? I know you like to talk a lot about cultivating respect for your here and now body. What do you mean by that? And how do we begin to move toward that type of thinking? Yeah, I think the main, uh, uh, easier way maybe to think about that too is just being kind. Your body here and now, we have to look at like, this is the body that you only get one body in this whole wild life that you have to live. So we might as well learn to work with it and befriend it and understand it, then constantly fight against it and assume that it is working against us. You don't have to like your body. This is not a whole, like you have to jump straight into positivity and say, oh, I love my body. It's so amazing. That's really hard to do. It's really hard to love your body, especially if you don't like the weight or the scale that you're seeing. Um, however, you can absolutely begin to be kind and cultivate respect um, in, in terms of what, you know, what is your body doing that you respect, right? If it's growing a human, perhaps, you know, if you're pregnant, if it's been able to get you to travel the world, if you've gone through, you know, we all go through a myriad of experiences and our body got us through them. We're here today living and breathing. Um, and also understand that respecting your body is, is always changing. If you did nothing, um, if you changed nothing about the way you're eating or moving or sleeping, your body's still gonna change. It's a dynamic being in a dynamic world that is constantly interacting and responding um, in that way. And I think that in and of itself is sort of worthy of respect, like, wow. I can tell you that from an age perspective, you know, the things that used to bother me on my body don't anymore because there's something else that bothers me on my body. But it, it is accepting the fact that it does change, Sharon, and that's not bad. It's like as my body changes, I have grown in wisdom. I have grown in understanding. I have so many other things I've gained by living in this body that served me pretty well. So I, I like that perspective where you change how you view yourself a little bit and say, you know what, I, I have a pretty 
good life and I have to attribute part of it to this body God created for me to live in and it's pretty awesome. Since we're talking about a healthier you, I want to tell you about a new book by Jennifer Taylor Wagner entitled Your Good Body. Jennifer went from 336 pounds to where she is today, but the book doesn't just chronicle that. It helps you change your mindset to like this body that you have. If you've tried every crash diet, if you have exercised like crazy and still don't like that girl in the mirror, this book's for you. To get more information on this inspiring book and even get a few free resources, visit jennifertaylorwagner.com. Okay, earlier you mentioned three areas that we need to have in order to be able to thrive. Predictability, stability, and boundaries. Let's talk about how that practically works in our healthy living. Yes. So when we think about those three things are going to be true in four main areas. It's always more complex than this, but it's easier to break it down into eating, moving, sleeping, and stressing or managing your stressors. Um, so when you take that framework of like, okay, what does it look like to do predictable, stable meals and have you know good boundaries around what comes in? They're flexible. All of it has to be flexible because the minute we start to get rigid, it becomes rules and math. Um, so it's looking at what is, if we know that bodies tend to do well with predictable, stable schedules, then nourishing our body within that first hour or two of waking, when your hormones are revved up and ready to go, your insulin, your cortisol is all ready to receive nutrients and utilize them to their full potential. Let's start off the day utilizing, working with your body. I know you talk about moving and Julie's, mm-hmm. Julie's really good at this. She works out all the time. I, I walk every day. I'm not an exerciser. We are entirely different humans in that, but is that okay? It's absolutely okay. You have to find what you enjoy in the way that you, you like to move because doing something for the sole purpose of hitting a caloric output. Again, if we're thinking in terms of math, then we're exercise only serves the purpose of equaling or uh, going above the amount of calories we have consumed. And that might work for a while, but in general, that doesn't keep people's motivation enough uh, to to keep it up. And when you're, again, looking at that long-term view, where can you build in predictable uh, stability and boundaries with movement? What does that look like for each person? If you really like to do really intense exercise, that's great. And the boundary piece of that is, we can't do that every day. That's going to hurt your body over the long term. So finding what is that balance? What are those boundaries? If you like to walk, wonderful. Find ways to walk, find new places to go to that you enjoy. Um, using exercise as, again, if we take away the weight loss is this the sole goal and we look at going to a healthiest, happiest version of ourselves, then we can add in like, what's going to make you feel happy and strong? That is the type of exercise that we want to do. Um, in that case. Again, we're, we're shifting the end goal so we can look at it through a different lens. Movement still happens, but it's happening from a diff- for a different reason. One of the other things that is important to us is sleep. Now, I, I think sleep is a waste of time. Julie's a really good rester. She's good at it. But, I, you know, if I could go three hours a night, I would be totally up for that because I want to get a lot of other things done. But I also realized when I push it, I don't feel all that great. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and there's that sort of vicious cycle, right? If we don't get enough sleep, we don't tend to make the best food choices because we're too tired and then we're too tired to, to move. And so then it starts sort of that cycle. Whereas if we can pick any one of those points and change the lens, then we can reverse it or, or switch the cycle into one that's more beneficial, brings back some of that predictability. There's always gonna be days when things don't go according to plan or you know we have to be flexible in this idea, but the general picture is how can I be more predictable, more stable? Um, and, and then again, that's where those boundaries come in. But looking at what your body's gonna be different in terms of what sleep you need. Some people only need six to seven hours. Some people really need that closer to nine or 10. And so figuring out, you know your body best, what does it look like to build in a, a typical sleep routine? How do we wind down? There's a whole lot of really interesting reasons if you need more motivation for why to sleep um, in Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep. It's dense, but it's really fascinating. I think you should read that one, Dar. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the I mean, I'm like over here like fist bumping, like, yeah, Yeah, sleep. she's going nap time. <laughs> I know. Okay. I'm like, can we finish this interview so I can take a nap? It's very important. <laughs> totally kidding. Okay, let's talk about this next one because I think there's a lot for us to learn about stress and how predictability, stability, and boundaries plays a role there. Exactly. And again, the goal is not eradicating stress. We don't live in a world in which that's mm-hmm. even possible. Uh-huh. So the the idea is how can we manage, where, where do we bring in some of those tools that will help us bring in a little bit more? So when the stressors hit, which they inevitably do, how do we get back to center um, more quickly, more um, recuperation? Um, and that, again, it's the idea of your body, your brain likes to feel safe and that makes total sense. So mutual trust is gonna be essential there. Like you can trust that your body will settle into its natural state and you can help your body settle into its natural, more calm centered state um, through a variety of ways. And again, it's gonna sound a little bit like a broken record, but the way that you eat regularly, the way that you move regularly, the giving your body rest, that all is part of helping your body feel safe, helping your brain feel safe. Um, I don't remember the exact study, but there was one around panic attacks being decreased when people had enough protein. Like there are little pieces that your body's telling you and the ways in which you build that into your overall healthy lifestyle, healthy habits are going to inevitably, again, if your body's at its healthy weight, the weight may not change much, but your overall health will benefit for the long term. Seems to me, Sharon, that the everything you've talked about kind of comes down to one thing, and that is like yourself and don't look around at everybody else and say, I should look like that, or I should look like that, or I should exercise like that, or I should whatever like that, but instead say, here's what's healthy for me. And that doesn't mean you embrace a weight you're not happy with or a a lack of exercise you're not happy with. That simply means recognizing that for you, you have to do it your way in the timing that works for you and in the means and manner that is the healthiest approach for your body. Am I correct? Mm Mm-hmm. And that is really frustrating sometimes to hear because it isn't a quick, you know, lose X amount of pounds in six weeks or get your six pack abs by doing Mm -hmm. this. But that's the experimentation of it is your body's going to do different things. That's and I think seeing that as a good thing, because God created you good and your body is good and it's been through a lot, but it's here that is can be more um i guess refreshing or you can begin to expect like oh 
this is an experiment. I'm going to see what happens. See how I feel. What feedback is my body giving me around this experiment um, is a more helpful way to go about it. And it takes, it does take time. That's the unfortunate thing. You can't do sleeping, eating, moving, and stressing and work on all of those things at the same time. It's, that's really hard to do. That will stress your brain out. <laughs> For sure. I love that you talk about health at every size and kind of what we've talked about today is a real picture of, you know, asking those hard questions of yourself and figure out, figuring out, you know, in this season, maybe which area do I want to be focusing on, you know, gaining greater predictability and stability and boundaries. Sharon, I know there are some listeners out there that are going, but I really do want to lose a little bit of weight. And I would, I would suspect that there are some practical things that most women can adopt and put in their life that'll help them that, in that journey. So can you give that to us? Absolutely. So I think when it gets down to it, what does this mean tomorrow when you wake up and have to eat breakfast or get on with your day? So we talked about before sort of that hour or two within waking, how can you maximize your body is ready to utilize those nutrients, set up that foundation put something in, we'll talk about the what in just a second, but the when food comes in regularly is one place to start in building that um, structure of predictability. Then you talk about, so then every three to four hours after that initial breakfast, that's when it's time to check in for hunger. Are you hungry? Are you not hungry? Um, that'll take some practice, that'll take time, but if it goes to be about five hours between meals, it's time to put something in. Again, this is a boundary we're putting in place to keep your body to feel safe, time to put some sort of nourishment in. So somewhere within three and four hours checking in, if you're hungry, eat. Um, if not, don't go longer than five hours, so then that restarts the clock. So now every three to four hours, three to four hours after that time, how are we feeling? What do meetings look like? Maybe you don't have time to eat or you won't have time to eat until it's past five more hours. So that's another indication of your schedule. It's going to look different every day, but there's your, your regularity. And then about an hour or two before going to bed, time to set that boundary in place at the end of the day. Then you look at the what, how can we stabilize your blood sugar, your mood and your energy, every opportunity uh, throughout that day when you are putting uh, nutrients in. That combination of fiber and protein and uh, um, colorful foods, I like to call it, more of those rainbow fruits and vegetables, that combination is really synergistic for, again, stabilizing blood sugar, mood, and energy throughout the day. But an overall guide is just using your hands for that protein amount. Is it that palm size of your hand at every eating opportunity? And then for fiber, sometimes the numbers are helpful because they're posted on things, but around seven to nine grams of fiber at each of those eating opportunities. Okay, what foods are going to be rich in protein and mix and match those with foods that are rich in fiber? And then of course, depending on your hunger level, fill in the rest of the plate with whatever colors you can, um, you know, reds, greens, oranges, purples from those fruits and veggies that will really add um, sustenance and, but also phytonutrients that are just hard to get in other places. You would essentially choose what not to eat while you're incorporating, incorporating what you should eat. Cause I would automatically go, I need a snack. I'm going for the chocolate chip cookie because it's there and I love it. And it's not that you never eat those things, but I would assume you choose when to eat them while you are balancing a healthy eating style. Is that correct? Right. It's the idea of what can we add in? If we know we need to get protein and fiber for our bodies to feel healthy, well, and more than that, but simplifying it to protein and fiber, then we have the mindset of, okay, every op eating 
um, throughout the day is an opportunity to get more and rather than the typical dieting mindset is to restrict and avoid and stay away. And all we're thinking about our brains naturally latch on to all the things we cannot have versus if we flip the script and, but if our goal is really to nourish our bodies and help our bodies feel safe and build some healthy um, habits, then we get to think about it in the flip side. So then where do the cookies and the fun stuff come in? Well, that's up to you to figure out, okay, if I want to get this much fiber, where does this play into the fact? If I need to get this much protein, I think it's also helpful to keep in mind when we're looking at helping your body feel safe, stabilizing blood sugar, when we have a cookie or ice cream or something, some uh, fun food, it's helpful to think about that piece of, oh, what's going to be most stabilizing for my blood sugar is to make sure that there is some other combination. So if it's a cookie, where can we add some protein into to just blunt the blood sugar jump response? Maybe it's you have a little bit of handful of nuts or or put some in the cookie, you know, or, um, you know, with ice cream, is there something crunchy, something, a, a little bit of fiber, sprinkle flax seeds on top, you know, play around with some fun ways to think about where you're adding in rather than the taking away. I think too, just we put a lot of responsibility in this culture on food being the end all be all. And it is so fascinating. I mean, I'm a dietitian for goodness sakes. I love how endlessly fascinating, interesting and deep we can go on the, the science of food and we have to pull it in balance. It's both, it's really fascinating, but it is not the end all be all, right? We talked about the, the bigger picture of what does movement look like? What does sleep look like? What does stress look like? There are so many different variables in the picture of your overall health that a lot of times in our culture, we zero in on, well, the diet must be the make or break, you know, the whole, your abs are made in the kitchen kind of thing. Well, it's just a whole lot more complex than that. And yes, food matters. Of course it does. But we don't want to put too much weight, you know, pun intended, on the every single meal holds so much responsibility when we also have to realize we live in a culture where we also have food around us all the time and celebration, Thanksgiving, you know, holidays. There's lots and lots of other reasons that we eat. So learning more about yourself and having that adding in mentality can be much more helpful in the long term when you're looking at those sustainable habits of where can I add in more movement that I enjoy? Where can I add in more sleep um, or, or set up an environment in which it's more conducive to um, helping uh, increase sleep? We want to look from that positive behavior change aspect always wins in the end, whereas we can do a lot of shaming or negative restrictive things that we've talked about before. We'll get you an end result real quick, but when we talk about long-term health, it doesn't always have the same impact. Sharon, how can our friends learn more from you if they want to kind of dive more into this and apply it more specifically to their lives? Yeah, I don't do a lot of social media, but I do have LinkedIn. Um, I do have a website, um, livingissimple.org. And then I work um, through Maven, the Maven uh, clinic app. So anybody who has access to that um, on your phones, you can sign up to work with me or chat with me um, on there too. Well, and if you want to hear just a little bit more of what Sharon says at gritandgracelife.com, she wrote an article that is entitled, What Every Woman Needs to Know About Healthy Body Image. It's definitely worth a read. Thank you so much, Sharon, for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Sharon. Take care. Bye. You may be pondering, but I still want to lose those 10 pounds. So we're going to put in the show notes an article with more information from Sharon on some of the practical ways to actually accomplish that in a healthy, respectful way of your body. 
as a reminder, let's walk away from this episode pondering the things that she asked us to think about. First, asking yourself the hard questions, really thinking about your end goal of where you want to be. She reminds us to cultivate respect for our bodies in the here and now exactly as they are. She tells us that nutrition is a science and not math. And again, we'll put in the show notes some more details about what that might look like for your specific body. And lastly, keep in mind that in order to thrive, we need predictability, stability, and boundaries in those four main areas, eating, moving, sleeping, and stressing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have. Again, check the show notes as you begin to apply these things in your own grit and grace life. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.